0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we're back for another chapter of Extinction Agenda. This one's part four. Uh, This is Uncanny X-Men number 271, the on-sale date of October 2nd of 1990 with a cover date of December 1990, cover price of a dollar. This one's titled Flashpoint.
1: I don't know why, but I always uh, associate Extinction Agenda with summer, but based on those details you just dropped, like it's late fall. Yeah, mid-fall. That's
0: true. I mean, this this is right after the summer where, like, you know, Marvel Comics usually double up. Yeah. So we get two a month. So this is, this is just after the summer. Is it this event you associate with summer, or do you just associate events with summer?
1: Uh, probably both. The other thing is, I don't what, when did you, what year did you say this was? Ninety-one?
0: Nineteen-ninety.
1: Nineteen-ninety. Huh. I'm trying to remember if I purchased these as they were coming out or if I bought them sort of retroactively. Because there was a period of time where I didn't buy comics and then you and I started hanging out and then going to the Norwood comic book store and, and I bought all the new comics and then I think just dug through the back issues and, you know, never spent more than like two bucks for a back issue. I don't remember though.
0: I definitely did not pick this up as it came out. Although I was collecting Wolverine at the time, so I'm not sure why I wouldn't. But uh, yeah, because I, I, I re this reminded me that so Wolverine and Psylocke and Jubilee are in this issue, but this is really one of the first times we're seeing them kind of work together. Maybe this, maybe the second time. And I, to me, it just felt like they were. I was they were characters that I was familiar with by the time I got around to this, and so I was like, oh, this is just. I didn't even realize it was like. Only happening for the first or second time.
1: Yeah, uh, so I don't know. Maybe I associate it with the summer because maybe that's when I was buying all the back issues. I, I don't know. Maybe.
0: Nevertheless,
1: uh, it's a fall event.
0: We got Wolverine on the cover, slashing up Cameron Hodge, who's got little little storm in the background and Psylocke underneath. It's a cool cover. I don't. I, the only the only thing I don't like about the cover is the solid yellow slash orange background. I feel like. There could be some deets. deets back there.
1: Yeah, well, get used to this style.
0: Yeah, well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's a lot of background list panels in this issue, as I recall, and in comics in general moving forward.
0: It's pretty cool, though. I mean, the details are very action-heavy, and I would totally buy this as a T-shirt.
1: Oh, oh my God, absolutely, yeah.
0: Like I, I I mentioned before, I probably reread this. This is like my my first – Issue of X Men that I owned.
1: Oh, and this I one, probably, this particular issue. Yeah.
0: Yep. Interesting. And I, I reread it a lot, and I think I read three two seventy two even more, but uh, okay. This, this is my this is my first this is my first dipping my toe into the X Men, although this might be I might have bought this after I bought X Men number one. Yeah. So let, me re, let me reframe that a little bit.
1: Oh, that's what I was wondering. Is like, did you buy this because it had Wolverine on the cover, and you were collecting Wolverine, or did you buy this because? At some point, you just started collecting X-Men comics, and you're like, ooh, cool. Well, well recover. I
0: bought this, as you did, because we went into Norwood, and then we went into the back issue bin, okay. and these were all on sale for a dollar. And we were like, this doesn't seem right. We better buy these.
1: <laughs> so so you think that we bought these as back issues? Because I'm on board with that. I, I honestly don't recall.
0: I think we bought... I think you bought all of the X-Men Extinction Agendas as back issues. Whether or not you already owned them, you may have already owned them. I, I did be. not. Okay. And I I only got 271 and 272 because there was only one copy of 270.
1: That might explain by me. why I have all of these issues except for, like, the last issue, uh, X Factor, New Mutants, whichever is the bookend to this story. Um I think I've said on this podcast that we had our our, our subscription bags, but those oh, dates yeah. just don't line up. I, I don't think that's the case. I think I bought all the back issues, but could never find that one issue. So,
0: eh, anyways, so you still don't have it?
1: Oh, I'm sure I have it now. Oh, okay. I guess I don't. I don't really know. Like a few years back, I sorted through my comics, I rebagged and reboarded all of them, and uh, when when you have a collection that's bagged but not bagged and boarded, you can fit it in a much more compact space. As soon as you start throwing the boards in, uh, I don't know, every three comics is like a fourth comic is added. So (laughs) uh, I had to buy a whole bunch more boxes. And then I had this conundrum of like, well, do I do long boxes or short boxes? So I did short boxes, and now I've got like a bunch of long boxes, a bunch of short boxes. And, like, I never want to go in there again.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I had long boxes for a while, and then I moved, and I was like, I'm switching to short boxes. Yeah. Because moving long boxes sucks.
1: Yeah. But moving 400 short boxes, I I don't know if that's any better. That just means that there's, like, a never-ending, like, source of short boxes to move around.
0: That's true. But I feel like it just wouldn't be as bad for your body. I don't know. And
1: somewhere, I cataloged every comic book I had in a spreadsheet. Uh, I don't know where that yeah. is. It's probably in Google Sheets somewhere, but uh, it's a long-winded way of saying I don't really know what I have anymore, uh, and so <laughs> I may or may not have that issue, but I do have the um, trade paperback and Marvel Unlimited, so, so that's what we'll do.
0: That's what I'm doing. Marvel Unlimited.
1: It, it's a good cover. Uh, moving Classic on. Jim Lee. <laughs> so... Uh we open up the book and, and we do not get a full page spread, but we kind of get a, a little bit of a sense of, of where the story was. It's it's sort of nice in that if you did not read X Factor in New Mutants, you're not really lost because it opens up with um what's her face? Minoli Weatherell for the fictional Real person. Yeah, for the fictional NPR TV, reporting for all things considered. Real show. Real show, not on television, (laughs) Um, and she is giving us kind of like what's happening here, uh, and
0: it's a very kid-friendly version of politics. uh, That like this is not the way that it would be happening on the real, like at the real stage. Uh, A government swoops in and kidnaps American citizens. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a little more happening than what's happening here. Um, You
1: never know. Like
0: that's true. You Mm -hmm. you do never know.
1: Like, they're, yeah. they're all very cautious here. You, you, you do see that there's some aircraft carriers kind of like hanging out in the ocean. We see some, eh, some veiled threats from the prime minister of Genosha. Uh, you, you could kind of see this as sort of a, like a standstill, but I think the thing that tips the scales is Manoli does go on and say the situation has not been helped by the reported death of one of the children. I think at that point that would call for yeah. some action.
0: And the prime minister calling them terrorists that represent a pl- clear and present danger to this security of this nation and this, the safety of its people just seems that we're talking about kids.
1: Right. Uh, right. Re- re-
0: re- and it doesn't say anything about in this first page that they're mutants or anything. Like, we don't go any into any of that, Okay, we'll get to it later. Uh, but right now, this is very, it's a very, for me, a one-sided news piece that like doesn't doesn't go into any of the detail of why any country would do such a thing or take this stand. And I still don't fully understand it. Like, we've talked about this for the first three issues. It's like, why are, why is Genosha listening to uh, Cameron Hodge? And I don't think we really figure it out, this issue.
1: We will, I, I'm, I, don't, I don't think we'll figure it out, this issue.
0: But the plot does thicken.
1: It does, a little bit, yep. Yeah. So... Uh, G- Chris Claremont swoops in to sort of pick up the pieces or continue the story, or maybe he's just like completely ignoring what happened in New Mutants and X Factor, other than like where their starting positions are. Is like, I I got this, guys.
0: Well, that, that's this. This is kind of the interesting thing about Extinction Agenda is that it's really three separate storylines that are just all tied together. Yeah, and that's kind of neat. I mean, X Factor has its own thing going on with the Cameron Hodge and the whole Revenge of Cameron Hodge thing, and then x men you just got kind of going in for storm and that sort of thing, and then you've got the uh the new mutants dealing with the death of warlock and it's it's almost three different stories that happen to be inside of the same story, which is pretty cool, yeah, I think yeah.
1: so prior to the story, we are uh introduced to Jubilee Wolverine and Psylocke, who who are going to be roped into this adventure, everybody,
0: yeah. I was expecting to see them very quickly but we do not.
1: No, and then after the news piece, uh, we find out the, the the kids that are sort of on the run or captured by Genosha Storm Boom-Boom Wolfsbane, excuse me, Wolfsbane and Richter. The story is called Flashpoint and it stars some uncanny X-Men and a few new mutants as well. Oh, and in the so Boom-Boom and Richter are running now from the Genosians and i feel like the last time we saw them boom boom was like in a ductwork shaft and richter was running through some halls so they must have converged somewhere on the outskirts of town
0: they bumped into each other
1: yeah and in the paper that they're kicking up uh we have the credits the pencils are by jim lee um the inks are scott williams the words are chris claremont the editor-in-chief is tom defalco colors are glennis oliver letters Tom Warszakowski and the uh, edits are done by Bob Harris. It's more or less the or, uh, order in which they're presented. Neat. Yeah,
0: yeah. I like it when they do stuff like this. Sure, it's fun.
1: And so the Genoshans here is two of them chasing them in their little their little GI Joe fly hover uh, vehicles. Are like, okay, we're gonna kill you. And somebody's like, oh, but we're supposed to give them to Cameron Hodge. And she's like, no, this will be much better for them.
0: And a whole lot kinder. A quick, clean kill. So already we know that, like, the Genotians don't... Some Genotians have uneasy feelings about Cameron.
1: They don't know what his deal is. They don't even know why he's there, maybe.
0: Neither do we.
1: And so before these Genotians can actually kill Boom Boom and Richter, Jubilee swings in. Sorry, sweets.
0: Uh, Uh, What was our Jubilee voice? I don't Hmm. remember. Uh, It was like a valley girl, but I can't can't do it.
1: Nobody dies today. There we go. Now (laughs) we got it.
0: (laughs) Firecracker explosions going off all over. I can't see. That's the general idea. Major crash.
1: And she trips into Wolverine's arms and he's like, "Uh, ease up. Ease up. Pay attention to business.
0: I can take care of myself, thank you very much, Mr. Smart Guy Know-It-All-Wolverine. I was doing just fine long before I met you.
1: (laughs) And so Wolverine gives her a little lecture about how she's not solo anymore, she's part of a team, and uh, her actions have consequences other than herself. So can't be grandstanding, uh, otherwise somebody's going to end up hurt. But
0: good job getting through that patrol. I like that Wolverine pulls the teacher role and just says but good job i mean i'm you know you still did good
1: yeah Uh, this is maybe the the dawn of that relationship i mean obviously they've been hanging out for a while together but this is sort of where we get like a hero sidekick vibe i think
0: once she shows up in wolverine that will be pretty well cemented i don't know how much of it is in uncanny but it definitely is uh further developed in Wolverine, the solo series.
1: I like this panel, though, of Wolverine just jumping off the the ledge or whatever, and uh, Jubilee's just holding onto his shoulder, like, what's going to happen next? And Wolverine's confident, like, don't worry, I got this.
0: It is super cool. These okay. All these, like, Jubilee flying in with her firecrackers and then swinging over to Wolverine, who catches her, and then jumping on the back of his shoulders, and he jumps down in a very Batman-esque pose. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. And the next the next page, yep. they're all like punching, and it's, it's good action poses, good cinematography. It's exciting stuff. This is 90s, about as good as it gets.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, Jim Lee, I won't say at his prime because I don't know really what he did after issue number one of whatever he did
0: for Image. What was his book on Image? Uh, Wild Cats. Yeah. You didn't pick up issue number two? No, I don't think so. feel like i had a few issues of wild cats because they crossed over with cyber force and it was uh some sort of mark silvestri jim lee crossover i was like sign me up
1: yeah yeah knowing what i know now uh that that does sound intriguing but nope yeah this is another great panel right wolverine's uh slicing up a gun action pose just all stretched out there jubilee is kind of I don't want to say awkwardly. She, she, she's not confidently kicking, but she's definitely serving a purpose in this panel uh, as she is descending and kicking one of the Genotians away. And then, of course, you got Psylocke on the on the bottom panel, uh, just ninja-kicking somebody else in the face. It's good stuff.
0: And the captions describe exactly what you're saying, where it's Jubilee's all enthusiasm and talent, making her moves on pure instinct, with no idea really what she's doing and praying they're the right ones.
1: See, and that's the thing about... At least this era, Jim Lee, you don't need any of these dialogue boxes I'm talking about how Wolverine's a natural brawler and how uh, Psylocke is the personification of power and grace because the illustration shows you all of that.
0: That's true, but I still love it.
1: Yeah, yeah, the words are fine, but I'm just saying that some artists, like, you would read all that and be like, oh, okay, yeah. but... I look at this and I'm like, I can just look at these pictures and tell you every one of these people's personalities, at least in this fight.
0: And it does take a very talented artist to do that. Absolutely. But at the same time, you know, I would not take these words away. No, unless it was like an art print because these words are just classic Claremont. Yeah. They're, they're, they're funny. They're cute. They're, uh, they kind of, I don't know. I don't know what it is about Claremont that sometimes you, that he's super wordy and over the top and, but sometimes it just it works so well that it just kind of puts a smile on your face. I don't know.
1: This, at least the portion of the book that we're reading, would make up a, a good silent interlude, at least up till now. I think there's some political stuff that comes up later that wouldn't translate very well.
0: Yeah, the talk show wouldn't yeah. go very well if they were both just staring at each
1: other. <laughs> they look angry, but I, I don't know who's t- saying what. Anyhow, uh, yeah, they... they uh, Pretty much take everybody out uh, until uh, somebody flips Wolverine over into a brick wall.
0: Um, Tam, Tam, their patrol leader, the magistrates, especially their patrol leader, quickly, surprisingly, devastatingly prove their match, and she flips Wolverine into the garbage. She's got like a and-
1: like a plasma b- baton that she whips out and starts. Uh, well, at least beats Wolverine with.
0: You muties did a lot of damage last time you were here. I lost some friends to you personally, Wolverine. Uh, X-Men 235 to 238, Bob. Been aching for a chance to settle the score. The last charge was set on heavy stun. I did it so that I could tell you that now it's set to kill.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So what I don't know is if Tam has blonde hair or white hair.
0: I'm going to go with... Both, because I think in a previous panel, she has blonde hair.
1: Yeah, so as I'm looking at this, I'm like, I don't remember a white-haired woman from the original Genosha story. But then I flip back, and I'm like, well, the woman in this panel has blonde hair.
0: Maybe it's supposed to be, well, maybe that's a different woman, or maybe it's just sort of be the reflection of her, her baton. It's casting sort of light that makes her blonde hair, white which, could, which would be a nice touch, but I, I have no I idea.
1: think it's white, because as I go to the next page, there's like four of these magistrates. There is the blonde girl, uh, and then there's this white-haired girl named Tam. So okay. I don't recall if we saw Tam, but it doesn't matter.
0: She- Tam has a scar across her right eye, okay. or her left eye. And I was, I'm was i wondering if that's from the previous thing, but I did uh, not go back and look. So.
1: I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Psylocke grabs... Tam by the hair pulls her head back and she pops her psychic knife, which, Adam, is the focused totality of her telepathic power. In this case, used to short circuit the magistrate's brain and remove her from the fray. Don't worry if you forgot about that. I'll tell you about it later in the issue.
0: (laughs) She does mention it twice.
1: (laughs) But yes, it's a very, very good panel of Psylocke uh, hitting Tam in from the back of the head. I think the Psylocke face uh, is exquisite.
0: It's good stuff. Yeah.
1: So she's out and she does go on to say like she's just gonna she's fine. We're not gonna
0: I didn't kill her. So we'll just wake up with a haircut or a haircut (laughs) a headache.
1: So they uh, they take all of the magistrates clothes uh, leave them in their skivvies and uh, they're gonna use these for a disguise. But first we find out that Wolverine's pretty beat up and I feel like he is still licking his wounds from X-Men number 251.
0: Yes, this is still <laughs> recovering from the magic, you know everything that happened prior to their badger adventure and uh he's just been in recovery since then and he is still in recovery,
1: which makes me wonder like in in comics time like that's been 10 issues, so you know 6 to 10 months in real time has progressed. Is this
0: like a week or two after the events of X-Men 251? This is a plot contrivance to make Wolverine weaker.
1: Sure. Because
0: there is no consistency with anything else that has come before or will come after for Wolverine taking this amount of time to uh, heal.
1: Uh, Early in the 200s, there was a few issues where he was kind of down for the count and and sort of in the same condition where he had gone through a big fight and then... It was part of the plot of like, oh, I'm so weak. But let me give you the last ounce of my muscle.
0: Yeah, I'm okay with it. Because we get, we get a nice Jubilee Wolverine moment yeah. where he's like, I'm fine, girl. How many times do I have to repeat myself? Only till it's true. You're pushing Jubilation Lee. Back off. Leave me be. So, you know. Jubilee has to turn around and defend Wolverine to Boom Boom and Richter. He's fine, okay? No. He's fine, okay? <laughs> Didn't you hear what do you know?
1: He's my partner. Saved your behinds.
0: What do you want?
1: So, yeah, I, I think it's just Chris Claremont recognizes a, a good trope and decided to use it again, and
0: I'm okay with that. Good opportunity for some character development. Always a good thing. What's the uh, matter, kiddo? Got no faith. I'll start off with smart. Thank you very much. I mean, this is so dumb. You're in no shape for this. All we all got to do is find a hidey hole and put you in bed till like, you get better. <laughs> But they're on Genosha, Adam. That's not an option. What is this with this is total macho junk? Are you desperate to die, man, or what? Yeah, and I think uh, Psylocke... You get, another, you get another Batman panel of Wolverine here.
1: Yeah. Psylocke will um, revisit that whole macho line later in the issue.
0: This is an issue for Psylocke revisiting things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes jubilation things happen whether you want them to or not. And it just becomes a matter of how you choose to go. All I'm asking is that you respect mine.
1: So Jubilee asks, who are these people? And Wolverine's like, girls, Who boom. are these
0: lame-o yeah. uh lady,
1: The ladies, boom, boom, and the boys, Richter. I don't know how Wolverine knows that.
0: Uh, because he just bumped into them in Madripoor uh, a couple issues of New Mutants ago. okay.
1: That makes sense. I was wondering about that.
0: I literally just met them. You had the chance to meet them, too, but there wasn't time. Cable's a very speedy guy.
1: <laughs> he flew all the way over to Madripoor for some reason, then came back here.
0: Why weren't Jubilee and Psylocke in that issue?
1: They were, you know, at a Burger's. <laughs> hey, do you know where Wolverine is? Nah. He went to the bathroom. He'll be back in a minute. Wolverine's <laughs> doing one of those, you know, double date things where he's like, I'll be right back. <laughs> Cable, we're going to fight. Uh, I'll be right back. Hey, girls.
0: Uh, I want to see the other half of that issue then. That sounds awesome.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a limited print th- print thing. <laughs> um, so Wolverine says, all right, we don't have time for this conversation. So Psylocke, uh, tap us together.
0: Uh, do we have to? In an ominous panel where Psylocke is voguing and uh, Boom Boom and Richter are looking at her. Because she doesn't look very ominous.
1: Evidently, the answer is yes, as Psylocke does touch both of their heads, pulls all their memories to sort of get what's going on with Cameron Hodge, the death of Warlock, uh, and sort of catch them up to where we are at.
0: I noticed that the, the butterfly effect of of uh, Betsy Braddock has, has morphed into something that is less of a butterfly and more of just kind of a shape and i'm wondering if that is has been a, a by design since the new silox showed up or if this is just they forgot about it will it ever come back
1: i don't know maybe maybe jim lee's just wants a cooler effect he's like ah butterflies i don't like butterflies
0: it wouldn't make it be too hard to turn this into a butterfly but i mean i kind of like the butterfly i guess
1: it's similar in shape um but yeah what I didn't understand about kind of the next four panels is and, and, and so basically what, what what the flow is is that they're like okay we, we know what we have to do uh, everybody's up at the Citadel so let's all go to the Citadel but we're going to split up Jubilee you go with those two because you've got powers they don't we're going to go this way Jubilee's like no I want to go with you and then Wolverine does this awkward panel where he's like wrong and then they head off I feel like there was a Marvel method miss here because (laughs) what the panels show me if i don't look at any of these dialogue boxes is um jubilee doesn't want to go with the new mutants so psylocke like reinforces like yeah why don't you go with the new mutants uh and i don't know what wolverine would say in this panel here or maybe he would have some morose thing like it was the right thing to do betsy and then you'd go back to the panel of those youngsters going off one direction and then Wolverine and Jubilee or Wolverine and Psylocke going off in the other direction.
0: And Jubilee even given them the thumbs up.
1: Right. Like, yeah, because she was mind controlled or mind, um, pushed into going with them. But because the other thing, you know, you could kind of say like, well, we got butterflies all over the place, but in the panel right after, uh, Richter and boom, boom, um, Psylocke kind of touches her head nobody's got butterflies on their head and it's only Richter and boom, boom. And it's just her. And it sort of looks like, Oh, you know, she's either sending a mental message over to Jubilee or she's recovering from this experience. And then the next panel, it's like, she's patting Jubilee on the head. I don't know. And then Jubilee uncomfortably gets this butterfly effect.
0: Initially. I thought this was where she was passing the information. She just learned to Jubilee, but then in the panel where mm-hmm. she gets the information from Boom Boom, and Richter are also Jubilee and Wolverine with butterflies over their faces, and Jubilee looks like she is getting the information yeah. there. So that yeah. is not that. Yeah, um, she does touch her face, and then she touches Jubilee's face, making me think that maybe she's past Like she, she, so she says. They separated Storm and Wolf's main, still remain within the uh, Magistrate Citadel, but I also have a psychic sense of both other X-Men and the whole of X-Factor on the island. Maybe she's passing that along to Jubilee. Maybe she's turning off the connection to Jubilee. I, I think I like what you're thinking, uh, that she's overriding. Yeah. Over, I mean, it seems kind of aggressive though.
1: Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think, um, Jim Lee may have drawn it and he may have drawn it with that intent. But I think Chris Claremont would have agreed with you and been like, that's harsh. Let me tone this down a little bit.
0: Well, I feel like Jubilee would do what Wolverine ultimately told her to do. So I don't think it would be necessary for Psylocke to have to mind-wipe her.
1: You're talking about the character that Chris Claremont writes. You're not talking about the character that Jim Lee draws. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I don't know. I I think it, it sounds like we're sort of in agreement that I feel like the two artists, the two creative forces here were doing two different things. Yeah. I mean it doesn't really matter, because uh, that that was the only sort of like art versus story inconsistency that that I got in this whole issue.
0: Maybe this is what got uh Chris off the because Jim Lee was like, look at what he did. He wrote he wrote my what my my drawing is so clear what's happening, and he took it this and he takes it to Bob Harris and Bob's like, All right, I'll get him off the book. It's your book now. Ten issues. This is it. <laughs>
1: Maybe. I don't know. But, <laughs> um, you know, uh, when we when we have Chris Claremont on, we will ask him. Yeah, yeah. So s- stay tuned for that. That'll be uh, on the Patreon. So go out to the Patreon and just wait. You might have to wait a while.
0: No spoilers. We'll ask. What was your impression of Jim Lee? Did he did he throw you to the trash? <laughs>
1: <laughs> or are you asking the questions and, and then we'll just find audio of him <laughs> on the internet and we'll just edit it in?
0: sure we could do that
1: okay perfect
0: do you have any others
1: uh no we can we can spend some time working on those though okay anyhow uh back to manoli weatherall uh weatherall uh she is hosting yet another segment of npr's tv's all thing things considered doesn't exist and it's a debate between moira mctaggart and uh david moreau the gene engineer right i think he's the gene engineer yes he is And they're having a debate about children. Uh, The gene engineer's like, oh, it's a slippery slope, you know, if we let this sort of thing go on.
0: In the first place, miss, whether all these mutants are terrorists and their punishment, albeit harsh, simply what is provided under our laws. We're talking about children, says Moira, not hardened criminals. That's a matter of opinion, says the gene engineer. One can, imu- one can manipulate weather patterns, generate storms of energy intensity. There is no discussion about how Storm and the X-Men came to – like I feel like that's what I'm missing. am missing. Uh, a couple of months ago, Storm and the X-Men came to Genosha and attacked our city and destroyed our citadel. And so that's why we're calling them terrorists. There's actually no understanding of oh, why they're calling them pre- terrorists in this or- in this – uh, conversation and this conversation doesn't feel like in a worldwide crisis is a thing that would be happening in, in on, uh, an on-air debate
1: no no definitely not
0: between what is ultimately like people that we feel we uh we being americans feel are acting as terrorists against our interests and they being the genotian government seeing that the americans in their custody are the actual terrorists i feel like those two groups would not be having a civil debate.
1: <laughs> right. I feel like there'd be, I don't know a bit of a media blackout or I don't know something like that. Um, I guess it'd
0: be how does this whole thing get organized? like NPR has like an inside connection with Genosha and the and uh, like American well think, so there's there's three stages there's, there's there's the American government where NPR is NPR TV is situated. They clearly have some sort of connection to Genosha. And then they also have a connection to Muir Isle.
1: Yeah, they've they've got their um, you know their remote reporters. They've got a, they got an office in Genosha. and so
0: well, they don't necessarily need on the ground reporters; just need to have
1: they have a, a Genocean bureau, Adam.
0: Okay, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I got it right.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, it would be a little weird to be sitting on your couch in America watching a debate from the head of a quote unquote terrorist country who is having a debate with somebody who represents Scotland. Right. And you're like, wait, <laughs> where's Wolf Blitzer? Why isn't he mediating this thing? Well they we got Manoli Weatherall. Yeah, but she's not really she's not saying anything. She's just like, All right, you two
0: That's true. There isn't much in the way of moderation until <laughs> go. So Moira is not speaking eloquently at all, which is a point that they will make later. She's basically attacking from the gut to the point where she's like, are you threatening me, laddie? Are you threatening me now, laddie? Thank you do Now you've had your feast of babies, you'll try and taste of the grown-ups, will you? And I wonder
1: if this is on purpose or, a, or just kind of a, a thing that writers do. Uh, but Moira is, or the, the words here are over-accentuating her accent. Um, which oh, yeah. y- you sometimes see, like, you know, when another writer does Wolverine, right, they start putting apostrophes and-, and making him drop, like, you know, contractions and stuff like that. Like, he just speaks, like, oafishly when he's written by the wrong uh, writer. This is Chris Claremont writing the character that he created, but now I don't think we've ever seen, who's never done you or yours the slightest harm, and are you threatening me now, laddie?
0: She's on TV, Jeremy. She's got to represent.
1: You'll try to taste the uh, uh the grown-ups. It was difficult to read this too, with all the, the Oh no,
0: it wasn't. It was easy. Yeah. I didn't detect what you're detecting. But I'll 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 accept that and just say that because she's on television, she really has to like oh, throw in that. Amp that up thickness. the accent. Sure,
1: sure, sure. Yeah. Uh the other thing here is that it's like she's wearing Storm's outfit. Like she's got lightning bolt earrings, she's got Uh, A gold headband, and then she's got like a leather um, outfit.
0: Well, all of this is part of the Mura. Yes. The Moira McTaggart plot that Chris Claremont is setting up in the background, where she is turned over to a different side of her. She's harsher. She wears leather. Yeah. Clearly, the signs of a woman who has been possessed by the Shadow King.
1: And somebody later on the book here on the next page will say, did you see Moira McTaggart? Our, our files don't make her seem or look anything like that. Yeah, it's weird. I'll have to, Gosh. I'll have to remember that.
0: Shocking for a woman to dress differently than our files.
1: <laughs> well, Adam, it was the early 90s.
0: Yeah. Uh, Leather is scary.
1: <laughs> so Moira's like, what do you think's going to happen, uh well, somebody says the grown-ups. Like, what happens when the adults show up? Uh, that's Manoli
0: Weatherall. Yeah, says if if these children are all you claim, don't you think holding them might well provoke a response from their adult counterparts, which, you know, assume I'm assuming is that's the whole point of Cameron Hodge's plan. Um, but of course, the engineer is not going to say that. This is precisely we, Weatherall, have determined to make the stand Genosha has been since its founding a beacon of racial and political tolerance in a part of the world that badly needs both. I, I kind of want Manoli Weatherall to follow that up and be like, well, you know, I've been to Genosha and I notice you have a very strange mutate population. Can you can we go into that?
1: Yes. You seem to be thriving, but you have what we in this country call slaves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you would think this is
0: where the whole Genosian argument just falls apart. It's like the whole everything that they're doing is based on a slavery-based system, and that it just brings down every argument that they conceivably have.
1: Right. You would think that at this point, NATO would be involved. um, Yeah. uh, Various human rights organizations from all over the world would be involved. But nope, they're they're clear. They're off off the air. Well done, g Engineer. You, You held yourself well. Oh, man, I'd rather be in my lab, he says.
0: I'd rather be in my lab or better yet, my garden. Mm-hmm. And that's when they
1: talk about how different Moira is. Her clothes are so different. I think she's yeah, evil. isn't that
0: weird? <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that, too. Quite an extreme departure from the profile we have of her. If you think it's significant, by all means, check it out for myself. I don't care. I never want to see that Highland harridan again. By the way, is all this security for you or me? Uh, I suggest you think seriously about what you said to McTaggart. Seizing these children is very much akin to grabbing a saber-toothed tiger by the tail. Saber-toothed tigers don't have tails. Precisely my point. So even the military of uh, Genosha knows that they're all... And this is what I like about the story, is that everybody knows they're going down this wrong path, but nobody's doing anything about it. Sure. I don't know why that is, but I like it.
1: Yeah, that's that speaks of... I think some cultures, well, of like, yeah. <laughs> I mean,
0: our own culture for one, but <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah.
1: A certain point of view, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's something that happens to civilizations. They make wrong choices and they pay for it. And there's and there's not a lot that can be done about it. In this case, though, the answer is stop listening to Cameron Hage. And we still don't have a definitive answer for why they are listening to Cameron who right. Everybody knows is out for himself right but nobody for some reason the pr- he has the prime minister's ear uh, i think he says that at some point the engineer says she says uh the president has faith that your magistrates and the press gang will prevail she may well be right but how much of our country will be left standing when we're done that matters to you and me anderson and to the president but not i suspect to cameron hodge and he is the man who has her ear these days why i wish i knew I that this seems like the only flaw so far of the story. I don't know if that ever maybe it maybe it'll be resolved.
1: Let' I'm gonna double back to the 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 first panel on this page, uh, where they they talk about um, the X Men. They know what they can do. Magneto, the self styled master of magnetism, raised a volcano between the ancient city of Verikino, whatever that was, from half a world away and wiped it from the face of the earth. And Havok, with a single blast of energy, reduced our former citadel to dust. Do they know that Havok is one of their press gang or one of their magistrates? Of course they do. I'm so
0: confused. Because they they recognize his power signature. What we don't know is what happened in between him going to the Siege Perilous and coming out the other side of Genotian. And I don't know if we'll learn that story, but that's probably a good story. Yeah. Okay. Hey, I'm I'm Havoc. You're under arrest. No, wait. It's cool. (laughs) I love... I don't know where I am. I just want to be here. I love enslaving
1: mutants. All right. (laughs) You're captain of the magistrates now.
0: Cool, cool.
1: That's what I don't understand because part of me wants to think that he went in the siege perilous, came out the siege perilous, and like history or, or whatever was altered in such a way that, well, Alex has always lived with us in their memories.
0: That's, and that would be interesting. But I don't think,
1: I don't know that that's the case because he's referring to Havoc, Havoc of the X-Men when they last were here. Right. So, I don't know, it's very confusing to me. Anyways, uh, Jean Genere goes into his office and pulls out a picture of David. He's like, David, why? Why? It mutates. Why? You think I'm a Nazi? <laughs> Curse you. She was my you goddaughter. You never once
0: cared. Yeah. You never cared until your girlfriend became a mutant, you selfish boy.
1: So I guess just a little reminder that Gene Geneer is not an evil monster. He's got feelings and a son that he cares about. and He's fallible, I guess. But Storm capitalizes on this. She's been skulking through the—, the... Before we
0: get to Storm, oh. what, is, what is he kneeling at there? Like, as a as an object of furniture in a room, <laughs> what is that? Because it, it looks like— It's his water sort of, fountain. Yeah, it's like a water fountain or like is the water just not on the tube or something?
1: <laughs> oh, oh, maybe it's one of those it, uh
0: It's one of those upside down water disp- units that Yeah. filtration thingies or whatever and uh it just needs a new refill.
1: It's a water cooler that doesn't have a top or it's a ashtray, one of those old style ashtrays where the bottom is a trash can and the top's an ashtray.
0: That is one large ashtray. <laughs> you don't remember those from like the movie theater? Um, oh, yeah. You know what I do? I yeah. know what you're talking about. So, yeah, it is. It, it it seems like it has a cord coming out of the bottom of it, or maybe that's just... Uh, It does kind of look like a cord is
1: coming out of it. So I'm going to go with it's a giant fuse. Okay. <laughs> 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 uh, or a giant battery.
0: It's clearly just a thing that Jim Lee drew to have him leaning against something, but I, I was just very curious about it. And because there's no backgrounds...
1: We don't know what these little blue Star Wars windows are, but I'm just assuming
0: they're windows to something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, star, because in the previous, I guess you can't really tell in the previous panel, but it doesn't look yeah, like there it's are, got there are those no windows,
0: windows in the previous yeah. panel.
1: There's a thing off to the left. I don't think that's a window, but I'm not really sure what it is.
0: It's a it's a nice way to fill space with uh, empty space with. With, uh, design I guess
1: because that actually kind of looks like a bay window the more I look at it but and what I mean is it looks like there's a ledge for a bay window but when you get up to the window part like none of those frames make any sense no, then it looks like Charlotte's Web <laughs> so I don't know yeah so Storm pops out she's got a knife and she grabs the magistrate or Jean engineer and she's like I'm gonna I'll cut you I'm gonna cut you bad
0: she is totally ready to sacrifice herself for the greater good by killing the Gene engineer, no matter what happens to her. Yep. And he's like,
1: It was Hodge! It's your enemy! It's Hodge! He proposed the attack on your team. It's Hodge pushing the whole mad scheme! So I must choose between the lesser of two devils? It's your only hmm. choice and mine as well. And that's when Cameron Hodge shows up and says, Well, 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 what, pray tell, do we have here?
0: The Gene engineer also points out that Cameron Hodge. Wants to slay every mutant on Genosha, which seems at odds with everybody else in Genosha.
1: Yeah, that, and that's sort of new information. Uh, in New Mutants or X Factor, we it was revealed that uh, Gene Engineer or uh, Cameron Hodge wants to kill all mutants, but he doesn't mm. say like all mutants and the ones on Genosha. So here we're getting sort of a an addition to that that he wants to kill all of the mutates as well. Which, you're right, like is sort of at odds with how their society runs. So it's kind of still strange of like, why is he here then? Wouldn't wouldn't he come and be like, I have a deal for you, Prime Minister. I will bring you the X-Men if I can kill all of your mutants. Wouldn't (laughs) wouldn't she be like, well, I like the first part. Second part's going to be a problem. Yeah. Maybe, and I don't remember, maybe the Prime Minister is like a robot that Cameron Hodge built
0: it is possible that something is like he's brainwashing her or right. he has he has replaced her with some sort of automaton for sure I don't remember either I'm feeling like that might be the way this ends up going but I guess we'll find out
1: yeah so uh open mind Adam anything's possible yeah, yeah.
0: I'm, I'm hoping we get a good resolution to this um he's got a sticky gun so he like shoots spikes into the uh, uh storm's shoulders nailing her to the wall oh yeah stick around he says i missed
1: that (laughs) i thought it was pinning her clothes but it's absolutely through her shoulders
0: probably hurts she doesn't have her powers either so she doesn't have that like tiny healing factor that all mutants secretly have
1: your turns over storm now it's mine gene engineer's like no we need her for the gene pool i'll take her there
0: now where she can benefit the country she threatened my gene engineer has a point, Commander Hajj, says. The Prime Minister, who is also here,
1: mm-hmm.
0: as you wish, Madam President. I confess, I look forward most eagerly to seeing the transmodation, the, the mutate transmodation in action. I assume Moreau, storms will begin without delay. To which I say, what happened to the trial? I mean, I guess they <laughs> caught her trying to kill the gene engineer. But the whole point of like the news thing is that they were all going to be put on trial. Now all of a sudden they're just going straight. They're skipping the trial. They're going straight to the the wiping out. This isn't going to go well. Play your
1: politics right, man. If they brainwash Storm and take her powers, add her to the gene pool or whatever, and then put her on trial, then they can tell her to say whatever they want her to say. That just seems like <laughs> I don't know, Adam.
0: Uh, there's some sort of accord and some sort of thing that says that's that's a no-no.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. I think all of this is against the Geneva Convention.
0: Yeah. Um, we cut to uh, Wolverine and Psylocke in those previously mentioned Genosian military outfits that they snagged that uh, conveniently fit, of course.
1: And they're flying the little hover planes, which is... Very funny because I imagine it would take months of training to master the <laughs> vertical takeoff and lifts and moving these things forward and backward. Uh, but they these guys, uh, Wolverine and Psylocke, they got it mastered. In fact, Wolverine or or
0: Psylocke stole uh, the knowledge okay. of how to fly these twitters, as Wolverine calls them. Wait, flitter, not twitters.
1: Let me ask you a question though: If you read. A manual on how to fly a seven forty seven cover to cover multiple times. You've got that information committed to memory, you pass the test, and then you're put into the cockpit. Can you fly that thing perfectly immediately? Well I feel like you'd need some practice, some muscle memory.
0: Is that how Silax powers work though? Or does she just implant the memories of having flown them before? Maybe they're flying oh, okay. them off of other people's memories.
1: Okay, that's fair.
0: Give you i give mean, that. I don't know. Sure. I don't know if that – I mean, we're probably going deeper into this than anyone ever has. But.
1: <laughs> no. Somebody's gone deeper.
0: <laughs> probably.
1: Somebody's written, like, sheets on exactly how this works and incorporated it into their own role-playing game. <laughs> Wolverine looks like he's having a lot of fun flying his flitter,
0: though. He, yeah, he's probably going like, <laughs> 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 Betsy says, I hardly know myself anymore, my friend or recognize the women I behold in every reflection, which I realized for the first time reading this is literal. I'd always imagined that that was sort of a, like I've changed a lot as a woman, but she is literally saying that she has physically changed, and I never realized it before. Hmm. Um, does it bother you how your adamantium claws and unbreakable claws came to be? And that's a weird question. Besides the fact that, um, you know, we know that eventually they are part of his bones but he doesn't know that yet uh why does she specify adamantium claws and unbreakable claws it seems like
1: oh oh i didn't read that how your adamantium claws and unbreakable i think that's a typo or a
0: you think, you think that's a typo
1: i think it's supposed to be unbreakable adamantium claws and unbreakable bones came to be yeah maybe i think that's what it, i think, yeah I never noticed that before, but I do like his answer. He says, uh, nope, one day I didn't have them. Next, I did. I made adjustments. Life went on. That was the end of it. As far as I know. That'll get retconned. For me, darling, what is, is, I got no interest pondering the things, or the why of things.
0: Yeah. Every life has its obligations. I just want to settle mine while I'm still able. And top of the list is what I owe the ex. Betsy! And she gets psychically barraged by, uh... Something that turns out to be storm in pain, Wolverine feels it too. But he has uh, got enough presence of mind to jump off of his own flitter, jump onto her flitter, and rescue her in a mid-air action sequence.
1: It's a little rough, and it took me a few reviews to figure out what what is happening here. But yeah, he 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 jumps from his to hers. That's obvious. He gets into hers. There's no background. We get some psychic residue. And I think I worked out that in the fourth panel, he must have, like, landed and pulled up in such a way that they didn't just, like, crash straight into the ground. They must have slid for a little while, and then the whole thing blew up and they were thrown out. But I was like, what is happening here? (laughs) Because that fourth panel could easily just be them jumping out of an exploding flitter in midair. But then in the very next panel, they're just on the ground, and they're a little bloody.
0: In that fourth panel, you see in the in the back left is they're slowly coming down and then they hit the ground and then they skid into something. And somewhere in between the right side of the panel, the left side of the panel, they jump out. So right. I think it's just a straight crash landing into like a brick wall or something. And at the last second, they jump.
1: Maybe. Uh, and, and when you, you could be right. But, but it also sort of to me looked like, oh, maybe they're being – chased or maybe that was Wolverine's flitter behind them crashing it uh, there's a lot of ways you could take this i think your interpretation is correct this is supposed to be sort of two things happening in the same panel which is a neat idea i just don't think it's executed all that well
0: yeah the it doesn't help that the the one on the right doesn't it looks like it's in a different direction as the, than the one on the left yeah because of the the u shape thing it appears to be in a different place but it's it's not it's not a great execution, but I think that's that's what's happening.
1: So then Wolverine goes, you know, he he he's quick. He's like, "Rescue on the double, you guys! I got an officer down here," and that like a ambu- like a flying ambulance thing shows up, and Wolverine's like, "We need to get her immediately to the gene engineer," and they're like, "All right, on our <laughs> way." And I'm like, well, "Why didn't they just radio in for help in, like in the first place?"
0: hang on, buddy, i will take them right to them. They're improvising. They, they didn't have this plan. Their initial plan was we're going to sneak in and find stuff out. But now they're like improvising probably because of the rescue van. They didn't call to it. It just showed up and they were like, I'm going to take advantage of this situation, work it out.
1: So they make it in there and they're like, oh yeah, she got hurt and we need to see the engineer. And, uh, one of the guys, uh, welcomes Alex into the room uh, and says
0: like, uh, "Keep it quick, you lovebirds." Well, Alex shows up and he's like, "Morg, Morg, wait up! I caught an incident report tagged with Tam's IDent. It said she was hurt. You keep it quick, love, uh, lovebirds." Summers, lovebirds.
1: Bye, bye, bluff. Havoc says, "Psylocke, bye, bye, bluff. Havoc." Which is like, what? Why did they just keep the bluff going?
0: Well, because she's not Tam. Oh, I see. Yeah, she. Well,
1: but she, she's she got her psychic ability. Couldn't she just be like, I'm Tam?
0: Uh, well, she just said previously in a panel that we sort of skipped over, this complex is so heavily shielded, oh, passive psi right, right, scans are right. useless, and any active telepath probe will trigger their alarms. Okay, so that's fair. So they covered all their bases. Yeah, nice job.
1: Uh... What is this? You're not, says Alex. And Silex says, nor are you quite what we anticipated, Alex Summers. Our former teammate is a magistrate through
0: and through. Or does she say, nor are you quite what we anticipated, Alex Summers. Our former teammate is a magistrate through and through. You're going back to that? Yeah, Yeah, why not? Okay. (laughs)
1: Uh, Yeah.
0: yeah. We got no option to treat him like one. And uh, have a—he lets loose his power. He lights up. Security alert. Morg, X Men in the Simil- uh, Citadel. Uh, I like Morg. <laughs> Do you think he's short for Morgan, or is that just his name? No, it's,
1: it's Morgan. Totally.
0: If you harmed my girlfriend Tam to get here, I'll make you pay.
1: Shazam. He, he shoots at Wolverine and Psylocke, who dodge
0: out of the way. Brilliant. Summers took out a main power coupling with that blast. The entire sector's dark. Whose side is he on, anyway?
1: It's a really good question. I mean, he did blow up the Citadel like a year ago.
0: Yeah, that's true. Maybe In, he's just born to blow up Citadels.
1: Infrared scan, 3 men teams, full auto mag, shoot to kill uh, Wolverine. You get a
0: cool panel of a hand throwing up a bloody flashlight. In silhouette. It's neat. Right orders, smart moves. You're good, bunkies. I'm better.
1: Nice, uh, growly picture there of Wolverine. And, uh, I really like this bottom silhouette, uh, picture of the magistrates kind of not exactly knowing what to do and then Wolverine just leaping towards them.
0: It is cool. Yeah. For sure. And especially, it's got, you got one body behind Wolverine on the ground. You got Havok behind all of the bodies with his lights glowing a little bit. It's very detailed for a silhouette shot.
1: So let me pitch this to you: drop Havok out of this picture, drop the body out of this picture, leave Wolverine and the four magistrates, and then put that image blown up on a white T-shirt.
0: Yeah, um, I'd buy it. I'd buy it even with the body and the Havok. I just I'd don't, buy it either
1: way. It's too wide with Havok and the body. Like if you cut them out, then you can get a nice blow up of the that silhouette.
0: I'd go either way, but you're wrong if if uh if this didn't have havoc in the body, I'd still be like that's pretty cool,
1: yeah, no, no the whole thing is cool in comic book form i'm just i'm re uh editing the picture for a t shirt that's all
0: what if you put uh the the middle on the chest and you put the body on uh, the arm and the havoc on the other arm
1: and or <laughs> You put Wolverine, just Wolverine, blown up in silhouette on the front. All of those no on the front, just the front <laughs> chest, and then those four people on the back of the shirt, and then havoc and the body on the on the shoulders. I like it. Yeah.
0: Somebody do that up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that could be a Patreon reward.
0: Maybe. I wonder I wonder if we could use one of those like t shirt apps that exist in the world and Don't just put it. that together. Just have you can buy this. I would probably get sued. But, you know, I don't know
1: over this image.
0: It'd be. Well, OK, so we'd probably get a cease and desist at some point. But you wouldn't call it
1: the... an X-Men T-shirt. You'd call it like the Danger Room special.
0: Right. We wouldn't be making any money off of this T-shirt. We'd just charge whatever the cost was to manufacture the T-shirt. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'd get a cease and desist eventually. But maybe we'll do it anyway. Cafe do.
1: Cafe Press. Maybe maybe we'll try to mock yeah. this up
0: one of those things. I think there are ones that have better quality than Cafe Press. I feel like
1: Cafe Press is awful cuz like everything is super expensive. And when yeah. I've looked into it like the return to the creator is like I don't know. If a t-shirt's 20 bucks, the creator's getting like a dollar. Right. So
0: so but yeah, I think Redbubble does pretty good. Has pretty good t-shirts, but I'm not I'm, I'm no expert on this feel like the quality of their t-shirts are at least better so we'll take we if we remember anything after this and it's this we will we will look into this
1: you know what i uh would do in my younger more creative days is you could buy um iron-on transfer printer paper for your laser not your laser printer for your inkjet printer uh and then you you would print whatever you wanted to on it you would cut it out and then you would iron it onto a shirt that's what i would do and if I recall correctly, it printed it reversed so that you were protecting the ink. The ink was between the shirt and the plastic.
0: Actually, this is such this is a, a simple system. design that we wouldn't even need a laser printer. All we would need is a like cookie cutter in the shape of Wolverine and these other things. And then to just fill them in on each one. And we could just do like a printing press style.
1: You know what my wife has? She's got a Cricut. And I'm sure the Cricut could do this cut. There you go. Yeah. We're on to something, everybody. Make stickers and put these on like laptops and stuff. Yeah. Oh, man. Now we're talking. Now the whole image. Somehow you, though, would have to um, convert that Havoc silhouette to full black and white. You couldn't have the yellow there, so you'd have to figure out a way to do whatever inverse you wanted to do. But once you had that figured out, uh, this would be a great image to put like on the back of your, your Mac. Because those are the things that I typically see with those silhouette images. Mm. Uh, generally worked into the Apple logo, but we
0: wouldn't care about that. I think the uh, getting rid of the yellow and substituting it for white is all you need to do.
1: Could be. Could very well be. Boom, we're on to something. Anyways. Heck yeah.
0: This is where the magic happens, people.
1: Coming soon to a danger room store near you, it's it's that image that we stole from a comic <laughs> book. <laughs> totally, totally on the up and up. Woo! Havoc's like, get out of my way. Give me a clear
0: shot. Be patient, bub. Your turn's coming and Wolverine is slicing and dicing through people to get to Havoc. Give it up, old boy. He did say somewhere in here
1: uh, w- w- when... Uh, says he's magistrate through and through Wolverine says like, well, I guess we got to treat him like one meaning like it's no holds barred. Like, I don't care if it's our Alex Summers, I'm a killer. Well,
0: it's, it's no holds barred, but then Wolverine who in this one panel has his claws out and the next panel has his claws to, uh, Alex's throat, but they're no longer out. So he retracted his claws. So it's not exactly no hold bars. I pop these claws, you'll need a whole new head.
1: He does say, give it up, boy, rather than just going in for the kill. So he does just give he does give him a chance here.
0: Yeah. So he's got some loyalty still. I'm no boy, old man, and not before my plasma blast sears your flesh clean off your bones.
1: Psylocke comes in and says, why is it you men always talk in macho slogans? Hits him with a psychic no- knife.
0: Second time she's done that, too. So she's all for doing second times.
1: Oh, I thought you described what the psychic
0: knife was again. She does later.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, please don't make me a liar.
0: <laughs> Better I let the Reavers slay him months ago than send him through the, syri- the Siege Perilous to become this. So we get we do get some uh, ex- explanations there, which is nice. Well, asks
1: if the psychic knife uh, would have knocked some sense back into him, and she doesn't know, but they're going to have to go try to find the rest of the team.
0: Probably just gives him a headache.
1: Wolverine, uh, he's tangled up in some yellow cord. It turns out to be Cameron Hodge, who's like, hey, let me introduce myself. I'm a man of wealth and taste. I'm
0: Cameron Hodge. <laughs> no need to bother the bouncing berserker about that, my dear. As you can see, he's otherwise occupied. I'll be more than delighted to answer for him. But forgive me, how boorish of me to forget my manners. I'm Cameron Hodge. <laughs> Do you think it's Cameron Hodge? Or Cameron Hodge? I don't know. I think it's Cameron Hodge, but I was going with something.
1: Okay, that's cool. (laughs) You go.
0: Yeah, I'm done.
1: And I'll wager your Psylocke. Wave bye-bye to the nice lady, Wolverine.
0: When you see her next, assuming I leave your eyes, I doubt she'll look anywhere near so pretty. Psylocke has a big old gun. It's pretty Um, awesome. I don't know where she got it from. She must have picked it up off of one of the magistrates. We don't see it prior to this, but it's cool.
1: In the silhouette image, there is a guy with a long gun. So I'm just going to assume that she took it from his dead body.
0: It is very much a Aliens Ripley gun.
1: Talk is cheap, bub, and we X-Men don't get nailed anywhere near so easy. So he is playing possum or shamming,
0: nasty, as Cameron. Nasty! Say. You were shamming! Shamwell.
1: <laughs> For all the good it does, he slams Wolverine into a wall.
0: Looks pretty painful.
1: And here's your companion with her big, bad gun. And then,
0: that's traditional for you X-Men women, yes? Not sure why he says that. Like, I don't either. Like, has, I'm, I was like, is that like a specific to Cameron Hodge thinks all X-Men women carry guns? I guess. Uh, I'm trying to go back, like, did anybody carry a gun? That would be Jean. That would be the only other X-Men woman he's really familiar with.
1: Yeah, and you would assume that any uh, any awareness of the X-Men that Cameron Hodge had would have been from TV, yeah. in which I don't recall ever seeing X-Men ladies holding big guns. But whatever.
0: It's a weird line. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Betsy rolls with it. Whatever does the job, Butcher. She slams herself down on the ground and does a side shotgun. But uh, his armor is too resilient. And he tells Moreau to keep working in the background. Uh, I guess, I guess they are now somehow in the room where they are doing the uh, storm mutate transfer.
1: Yeah, well, they got to this point. And they're like, oh man, we got to move it on. We're we're out of pages.
0: Cameron Hodge just pulled them into the room as he's t- tormenting them. I guess arrogant, suffer- insufferable swine. They're no match for him. But his with his attention focused on those X Men, last act free to act. I wonder though. Will this make me a hero or my country's greatest traitor? We don't know what he's doing, but he's doing something.
1: Well, it says, standard Matrix canceled. Custom configuration loaded. Running. But what does that mean, Jayden? I I don't know. Maybe it could be like a a, a kill switch in Storm. Uh, He's
0: definitely planning to betray Cameron Hodge, uh, it would seem. And it seems as though the betrayal of Cameron Hodge, he feels, may also betray... His whole gosh darn country.
1: Yeah. So I assume, and I don't remember, that this has something to do with Storm.
0: I don't remember either, but um, I'm going to, I mean, custom configuration, I'm assuming it has to. Yeah. Caught you, says Cameron Hodge. Only Hodge, because that's precisely what I wanted. Hoping you'd bring me close enough to strike. And then she thinks to herself, my knife is the focused totality of my telepathic powers. In case you forgot from 18 pages ago. It is weird that it's in this book twice. Yep. Uh, Normally I use it only to shock, but with Hodge I see no acceptable alternative but to kill.
1: Hodge says, guess what? Didn't work. And uh, we get this really smeary picture, like this inked smeary picture of uh, Psylocke, which I really like. Um, I think it's
0: a computer alteration. It feels like they put it into a computer and stretched it but i don't
1: know. Yeah, yeah, or i've seen the same effect done with a photocopier. Put the image oh, in there okay. and you kind of drag the the picture along with the the scanner and you get like weird smeary images, but
0: that's probably more likely.
1: Either way, it's it's a it's a neat little effect that he's applied here to sort of illustrate like this is what it feels to be sort of
0: psychically ripped apart. I don't know how he pulls this off. Um
1: he's got powers, man. What are they? I don't know. You don't know. He's got powers. <laughs>
0: so yeah i mean he, he does it however he does it
1: he says let's see what happens shall we beautiful when i do the same to you so somehow he's redirecting the psychic knife on her or using the totality of his telepathic powers which he doesn't have I don't Or know. he
0: stabbed her with the little uh kind of thing that is approaching her at the the bottom of the panel he's got like little oh, spiky things yeah maybe maybe one of those spiky things is a telepathic knife sure focuses the totality of his path telepathic powers
1: and gene engineers like hodge by the way gene engineer is in like this crazy like armored suit
0: hazmat suit
1: yeah but it's like it looks like one of the battle droids from episode one or episode two where it's like just like a big hulking top with little, little little robot
0: arms it's got a ridiculous hood
1: yeah If you're interested, Hodge, the Matrix is locked. The
0: Transmode process complete. Open it, Moreau. I want to see. I want these X-Men to see what's happened to their beloved leader, Storm. Gene
1: Engineer says, That name no longer has meaning, nor does any face of her former life. Storm is no more. What remains is mutate number 20.
0: I gotta wonder, was 20 really available?
1: (laughs) You, You would think that with the amount of mutates that they have... Maybe they reserve, like, anything below 99 for super special
0: mutants. That's got to be what it is. Yeah. That's a good call.
1: Because there's way more than 20 mutates on Genosha doing yard work.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, we've met, like, 2912.
1: And... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That takes care of her, says Cameron Hodge, but whatever, my sweet, shall we do with you?
0: Find out, sort of, in New Mutants number 96 and X-Factor number 61.
1: I don't know if... It sort of looks like he's looking at Wolverine, but I feel like he's referring to Psylocke when he says, whatever my sweets shall we do with you?
0: I think he means both of them. Mm. They're both his sweets.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I think you're right. And to address your your trial, the X-Men will go on trial in 30 days for capital crimes.
0: Well, the X-Men will, but not Storm. I mean, I i don't know that for a fact yeah she might be there and she might be like yes we're bad (laughs) i wish to testify against the (laughs) x-men
1: and myself
0: (laughs) they've always been very not nice to me
1: um yeah so action-packed issue i think it's got pacing issues to be honest pacing problems
0: it has the whole political thing which is kind of like kid politics where as a kid you're like oh wow yeah cool but really, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. I mean, there's there's so many unanswered questions that they should really just be kind of avoiding it. And they kind of are.
1: I can imagine 16-year-old me or 15-year-old me, however old I was, being like, yeah, the evil corrupt government.
0: This is cheap.
1: This is just like America is. <laughs> Not really understanding anything I was saying or what the current political uh, uh, climate of America was. But
0: Absolutely. still,
1: down with the system. Yeah. Ban the man
0: government for the people not people for the i don't know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> trying to trying to get into free what, Tibet. Um, <laughs> 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 what is uh bangladesh what is uh <laughs> like um 16 year old me would think about politics which is honestly just nothing
1: no i i uh yeah sure
0: i mean in the 90s we were about we were about to do uh, Operation Desert Storm. Isn't that the thing that was about to happen? Or did that have that already happened? Was that in the end of the 80s? I don't know. Because wasn't there a comic book to go alongside that with this like Operation Avengers Desert Storm or something like that? I feel <laughs> there like was, there was Galactic Storm. That's what it was. Yeah. I and never that was read like, it. I never read it either, but it's just kind of like, okay. Interesting. (laughs) Interesting choice. So
1: the Gulf War was January 17th, 1991 to February 28th, 1991.
0: Okay. So yeah, it's right around the corner.
1: And I remember, uh, man, I'm not going to remember the teacher's name, but I guess I was in eighth grade in 91. Anyways, Mm -hmm. the social studies teacher was really upset about this. He's like, kids, you... This 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 could be going on, you know, into your senior year of high school. You know, this is this, this could be bad news.
0: Well, he was a veteran.
1: It wasn't. What's his face? Because that was sophomore year. Oh, okay. I'm so talking he, about eighth grade. Okay. I feel like it I was eighth. Grade. I don't know who that was then. I don't know if we were in the. I don't remember. But anyways, uh, and then the irony was like it was the war, like the shortest war ever, because it was mission accomplished, like a month later.
0: All I remember is my buddy called, I was like talking to my buddy on the phone and he was like, yeah, we're going to kick some ass. And I was like, wow, that's not what I feel at all. (laughs) What is wrong with me? Or what is wrong with you? Something's wrong with one of us.
1: Actually, I think I've got those dates wrong because it was Desert Shield and then it was Desert Storm. And I feel like Desert Storm was like 20 days or something.
0: Was there also a Galactic Shield?
1: (laughs) I don't think that that Marvel event exists.
0: Oh, well, it's disappointing.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, there you go. Little little history lesson that's probably not terribly accurate.
0: I'm going to read Operation Galactic Storm. I've decided.
1: Desert Shield was August 2nd, uh, 1990 to January 17th, 1991. And the Mm. difference was... I think we just had troops there, like protecting oil fields, and then we started firing guns on January seventeenth. Oh, you know what else okay. I remember? Since we're going down memory line,
0: and that would be around the time that my buddy called me.
1: Yeah, on that day, it's like, buddy, it's gonna be well, awesome. No, was,
0: like it was in the news, so I think it was it was something we were all talking about at school.
1: So on midnight uh, of the night, midnight of the declaration of of that Operation Desert Storm, the war. MTV played Julian Lennon's cover of Give Peace a Chance. No, not Julian Lennon. Sean Lennon's cover of Give Peace a Chance four times in a row. Because they're like, uh, oh, and then they also played um, Elvis Costello's What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding. And uh, the next day, it became very apparent that Operation Desert Storm was wildly popular uh, and, and those weren't weren't played. <laughs> they were oops, <laughs> gone. And then, I don't know, do you remember there was merchandising? Like you could go to the department store and pick yourself up an Operation Desert Storm t-shirt.
0: Yep, I remember that. <laughs> how
1: crazy is that?
0: I don't remember. How old was Sean Lennon? Wouldn't he be like a toddler No, the 90s? No, in
1: 19, he was younger than us. He was like 14 or something. But old enough to like play a guitar and play that song. And I it was like so. a, it was a, if you, if you look it up, it was a um many, I mean, artists. Hi, there's, there's,
0: there's no instruments to that song. So
1: he's, he's like one year older than me. Okay. Uh, and that video, if you go find it, I think it's him and like, you know, a bunch of other artists that were like, let's do this because war is bad. And they're like, yay. <laughs> and then I even bought the single
0: of the Sean Lennon song. Yeah. Wow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's good stuff.
0: And then he would go on to have a very brief pop career that did not lead to success. Oh, really? Okay. Now
1: I wasn't aware he's of that. in a
0: band with Les Claypool.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Which sounds like Primus.
1: I think Sean Lennon and Julian Lennon should duet.
0: I don't know if they get along. Um, I mean, different different mothers, not really same similar upbring- upbringings. Don't know if they really. Uh, who knows? Don't know. Different relationships with their father entirely. One who had a present father and one who didn't.
1: Now maybe I might be wrong about it. Uh, the people involved were... <laughs> this is an interesting lineup that I'd never thought about before. Um, was, oh, oh, okay, never mind. The original song was John Lennon, Tom Smothers, which is weird, Yoko Ono, Timothy Leary, and two other people I don't know. But I'm trying to find the Sean Lennon version.
0: That was part of the 70s where yeah. John Lennon had this idea where it's like, and I, I think I just saw a documentary about this where he was like, I think that peace needs to be turned into a brand like Coca-Cola is a brand. And we're going to try to sell people on peace as like this idea and this concept that's going to become this universal brand that is going to overtake uh, the the idea of fighting and politics. And it was a, that's a, I never really realized that that was his idea. And I was like, "That's a cool idea." It obviously, didn't work. Nope. <laughs> but
1: here's the lineup. You ready? Yep. Adamant.
0: Okay. A- Ahmed.
1: Ahmed Zappa.
0: Wait, Adam Adamant in the '90s. So this is like uh, the not pirate Adamant, but uh, Zorro Adamant.
1: I I'm not. I don't really <laughs> follow Adamant, so I don't know. Uh, Al Giroux, A lot of Miles. Okay. Amina. I don't know who that is. I don't either. Bonnie Raitt. Okay. Bros, B-R-O-S. I don't know who that is. Bruce Hornsby. Cindy Lopper. uh, Davey Johnston. Don't know him. Dave Stewart. Don Was. Duff McKagan. Wasn't Duff McKagan an MTV VJ?
0: He was in Guns N' Roses.
1: Okay. Well, there's two Duffs. There's the Guns N' Roses Duff, and then there's the MTV Duff. One's male, one's female. Uh, Dweezil Zappa. Felix Cavalier. Flea. Iggy Pop, Jazzy B, Joe Higgs, Joe, John Fruscianta, that is,
0: Kadeem uh, Hardison. I think a Red Hot Chili Peppers guy. Oh, could be. Or the James, James Addiction guy.
1: Maybe. Or
0: S- somebody else entirely.
1: LL Cool J, Lee Jaffe, Lenny Kravitz, Little Richard, Little Steven, Van Zant, of course, MC Hammer, uh, Michael McDonald, Moon Zappa. So basically all the Zappas except for Frank because he's probably dead at this point. Uh New Voices of Freedom, Ofrahaza, Peter Gabriel, Q-Tip, Randy Newman, Run. I'm guessing that's Reverend Run.
0: Run uh, DMC? Yeah,
1: yeah. Sean, Ono, Lennon, of course, Sebastian Bach, Tina Marie, Terrence, Trent Darby, Tom Petty, Wendy and Lisa, and Yoko Ono. I don't know who Wendy and Lisa are.
0: So what I'm hearing is somebody desperately wanted to remake We Are the World. And uh, hope, hope for that level of success in order to, like, kind of make a a, a super hit. Yes. And, and it was less about what it was supposed to be about than it was about recreating We Are the World. But that's my cynical viewpoint.
1: Maybe. Um, it was – I think this was a direct response to Operation Desert, Shields and Storm, because the song was released in February 1991. So and, – and I remember it debuting on MTV – on the midnight of the, of that declaration of war. And I gave J- Sean Lennon too much credit because they're actually the peace choir. Oh, he may have organized it though. I mean, he probably has rights to those songs.
0: Probably. I would hope so.
1: So there you go. Good stuff. Little
0: history, little history with danger room, little music history and war history.
1: <laughs> I look forward to your summary of operation galactic storm because I'm not going to read it.
0: I uh, I will only summarize it if it has any value to us. In, in that it is uh, interesting. I, okay. If it, if it if it's just dreadful, I'm not even going to talk about it. I Unless f- it's so dreadful that it's interesting.
1: I feel like it it came out at a time where it's probably dreadful. Although this is probably what's happening. Well, let's see. This is 1990, so I guess Operation Galactic Storm would be maybe the 1990 summer 1991 event
0: so the next event.
1: Yeah, but I don't think I don't recall the X-Men having any representation in that event. I feel like there was like Spider-Man, Avengers, Fantastic Four.
0: Probably not. So. Um unless it's like Infinity Gauntlet where they're in it, but not really. Right. It's not about them, but they everybody has to be in it.
1: You got to be in it to win it.
0: In it to win it with a group of four.
1: All right, Adam. Um I think we we might actually have a letter here.
0: Oh yeah, we do. Heck yeah.
1: So I'm going to read it. It's from Kyler Moyer. He talks about the Star Wars troop transport, uh, which is something we mentioned at some point on 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 one of the episodes we did. I don't remember if it was Patreon I think it or was proper. A
0: Star Jammer's episode, or maybe I don't know. Sure, let's go with that. Or uh, maybe it was. It wouldn't be from. What would it be from if it was from the Patreon?
1: I don't know. We talk about a lot of Star Star Wars in the Patreon. <laughs>
0: I think it was something was like we were, we were inspired by something we saw on a panel. You're right. They were like, they would make a toy out of this or something like that. And then you were talking about how, uh, there was a troop transport from the toy line of star Wars that was never in any of the movies.
1: Yeah. I feel like that, that would have been inspired from, uh, one of the star jammers issues. Cause it's, it's just cheesy enough that it could have been in, in one of those issues. But, uh, he says, I remember it because I had it. And in case you weren't aware, that was in The Mandalorian. I don't remember if it was season one or two, but it eventually made it on the screen, albeit 40 years later. And I feel like I do recall seeing it in season one and being like, hey, that's the troop transport.
0: This was a tidbit that I I think I learned about from some YouTube something or other, but I had completely forgotten about it until Kyle brought it up. So I'm glad he brought it up. Yeah. Also, if you read this letter sort of incorrectly, it makes it seem like the Mandalorian came out 40 years ago, <laughs> yeah. which I which I kind of like the idea of like the Mandalorian's been here the whole time and we just are now discovering it. We're just unearthing it. Like,
1: wow, <laughs> these effects are so far ahead of their time. Uh, yes, yeah, so that's it. If you'd like to get a hold of us and, and let us know about your favorite Operation Desert Storm memories uh, <laughs> or T-shirt or whatever the case may be, uh, let us know uh, at www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash Danger Podcast, Twitter us at Danger Room Go, uh, or you can email us, Danger Room at xmenpodcast.com. Go out to iTunes, uh, leave us some stars, some feedback, subscribe to us there, uh, or go out to www.patreon.com forward slash Danger Room, where the sort of aforementioned extra material that we tend to record uh, ends up. Lots of For sure. Dawn of X uh stuff as well as you know star wars star trek your 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 regular uh nerd stuff that if you haven't heard uh, and 20 other podcasts well come <laughs> to us the 21st to
0: hear more 21st but most important sure and and the uh we're going back down on uh well we're we're here in america we're out of lockdown so the patreon is going back into lockdown as far as that patreon material goes if it hasn't already i'm not even sure
1: yeah pony up your dollar everybody
0: <laughs> Pony up your dollar.
1: <laughs> Adam, do you have anything else?
0: Yeah, if you like our t-shirt idea, keep reminding us about it because uh, we're going to forget about it. Totes. So if you if it's something that actually enough people are interested in, we will actually look into doing it. Uh, but if nobody says thing one about it again, we'll probably forget about it. Or maybe we won't. We'll see. That's yeah. all I got.
1: Perfect. It's a good plug, Adam. <laughs> well, until next time, my name's Jeremy
0: really a plug my name's adam
1: and the danger room is closed